from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We are on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I am the career director for the Wharton MBA for Executives program right here in Philadelphia. I am also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. And we have the dream team in today, Dion and Michelle, who are going to make this show sound awesome. And I have to start the show with giving a shout out to two people who contacted me on LinkedIn, Amy and Max. Amy, congrats on your new job. And Max, at 11 years old, may be our, our youngest listener. So good for you for, uh, for getting the, the job stuff in there early. So glad to have you guys listening, and thank you for reaching out to me on LinkedIn. But hey, it's summer, and summer is traditionally a slower time for job seekers because people are on vacation and traveling and all kinds of things. So if you're in a job search right now and you are starting to get a little demotivated, don't, because today we are going to teach you how to get over that slump. And we are taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So Michelle is ready, willing, and feeling better, Michelle? Oh my gosh, so much better. And feeling better, so she would love to hear from you, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, we are live. And to help us with this topic today, we welcome back Avish Parashar, an author, speaker, and humorist who transforms high-energy improv comedy into practical business skills to get people laughing, learning and motivated. Avish is the author of two books, Improvise to Success and Say Yes. And he's also a graduate right here from the University of Pennsylvania in Philly. And we're so excited to have you back in studio, Avish. Welcome. Awesome. Thanks. I'm happy to be back. So this, so we were just talking about this before the show started, that you do this this improv. And, mm-hmm. and that's something that actually terrifies me. But um, how does how does improv help people who are in a job search? Well, in, in a lot of ways, um, you know, Number one, primarily, is job searches tend to be unpredictable, especially interview formats. Mm -hmm. So understanding how to maintain your composure, think on your feet, uh, deal with the curveballs that happen in an interview is is a great way. Um, You know, you're talking about the summer's a slow time. How do you stay motivated? You know, the whole concept of improvising, taking things one step at a time, uh, maintaining your positive attitude, all are keys to improv and I think are great keys for a job search as well. And so that's what we're going to basically talk about on the show today is how to instill some of the principles that Mm -hmm. you use improv and in your book, Yes And, and I love that concept, Yes And, to help people through this this summer slump where, you know what, hey, maybe you're just in a job that you're tired of, it's not (laughs) energizing anymore, so how can you boost boost your energy again and fall back in love with your job? And we'll take your calls all hour, 844-WHARTON, that's 844-942-7866, so if you've got an interview coming Coming up, and that's something that you want some uh, some tips to not put your foot in the mouth. And mm-hmm. I have some examples of times I've put my foot in my mouth. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> um, and how to overcome those? We're taking your calls all hour at eight four four Wharton. That's eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Or maybe you just have a tip you like to share for people who tend to get nervous in interviews. Maybe you're a hiring manager, and you you have something that can really help our listeners when it comes to these times where you're just you have to be quick on your feet. And here's the thing, Avish, I'm not quick on my feet. I will really? admit that. I am not. As an interviewer, I figured that would be like, you'd be right there in the moment. Well, it's easier to be the interviewer well. <laughs> than it is to be the interviewee. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in general, like I always wondered, how can I become, you know, you know, it's, See, like it's that- funny as an improv person, for me, it's easier to be the interviewee, right? Because really? you have to think. You have to sit there and come up with questions. Yeah, right? but I've planned that. <laughs> right. But see, I'm lazy. That's why I like improv. I started doing scripted theater. Ah. So I don't have to think. I don't have to prep. I just say, hey, you ask me questions and I'll respond. Whereas you have to do prep and research. And But you must have like, I mean, okay, you should be doing prep and research as an interviewee. <laughs> like, this is bad advice, people. Do your prep and research. Do not be like Avish. <laughs> to be fair, that's true. So you, what you do, you're able to then let it go. Um, you know, and that's, a, I think that's, that's a good point. You know, I've done 25 years of practice and training. And when I do it in a corporate sense, I do do some research, you know, what are the objectives you want? Because I don't just perform, I go in and work with businesses. So I talk to them about their objectives. So I prepare those things. But once I'm in the room, 
you're able to just let it go, respond in the moment, and not have to overthink. Because I think that's where people get into trouble. I agree. So if you do your preparation, it's somewhere in your brain, and you just mm-hmm. have to relax and let it come out, yeah. let it be accessed. Yeah, and trust. I think that's where people get really bad with improv, is they just don't trust their own ability to to connect the dots and recall the information. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you, I don't trust that either. So we talked a little bit about doing an experiment right here on air, and 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 this is terrifying me a little bit, but you know what? Hey, if we're going to ask our listeners to do it, then I feel like we should do it too. So what we thought we'd do is we'd have Dion just say something, mm-hmm. and then we'd have to do the improv. So you'd have to go, then I have to go, and maybe Michelle has to go, and this somehow has to make sense as it relates to career. So we really have no idea what's going to happen here. So this would be a great time to call yeah. <laughs> so that you can interrupt us, 844, and that's 844-942-7866. All right, Dion, Dion, give us something, and we have to relate it to career. And okay. this scares me. Where is the question? Do I have to, does it have to be a statement, or I, can I just say a thing? You can anything just, you want. Anything you want. Okay, because when you brought this to me, my first thought was just saying Bumblebee Tuna. Have fun. Oh, uh. well, Bumblebee Tuna is perfect because if you think about Bumblebee Tuna is this awesome, delicious thing that's really easy. But the problem is it's in a very hard packaging and it's very hard to get into. You need the right tools to get into it. So the Bumblebee can of tuna is like a job search because what you're trying to do is get to this great place, this <laughs> awesomeness. But if you don't have the right tools, you can't get through that hard outer shell to get to what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're paying attention to the market, which you really want to be doing in a job search, that you'd see that Bumblebee Tuna now comes in these easy-to-open soft packets. Um, So you definitely don't want to go to an interview and not have the latest market information because if you just talk about the hard tuna can and you don't know about the new soft pouches, which, by the way, come in lots of flavors now, Mm -hmm. and you open them up, you put them on the bread, it's all ready to go, don't even need to mix mayonnaise, then... You know, you're gonna you're not gonna look like you're current. All right, Michelle, you take it. You gotta take this with a career with a career focus. Um You know what I was Dion's cracking me up right now. Um what I will say about beyond the tuna packets, if we go back to the hard shell cans, so we're going old school. Mm-hmm. Um so if you are an, an like a hard shelled can and you wanna get to that good stuff inside, I will say that when you do get to it it isn't really great by itself. So <laughs> you do have to add in some other ingredients. So doing your research and, you know, adding in that that uh, knowledge about, you know, the, the interviewer, um, I think that's important to do when so you're make going it, into make the interview. Make it unique. What's your brand? What makes you special? Because there's lots of tuna out there, but what mm-hmm. makes you special tuna? Yeah. What ma- what's your value as tuna? Do you exactly. have relish or do you just have mayonnaise Oh, and definitely onions? relish. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I yeah. think definitely about the relish. first thing you do when you open a can of tuna is you have to drain the liquid out, right? So a lot of times when we get a new situation, you have to kind of purge out all that stuff, all the bad stuff. All right, this is this is going nowhere fast, but <laughs> I mean, I can keep talking to me. Yeah, It'll I, make I less know. and less sense, but I can keep going. I, I know, but I don't even know what we're talking about now. I'm just I'm just kind of hungry. So <laughs> But okay, so that's essentially how how improv works. And it's mm-hmm. essentially how an interview works because you know, you go in and you prepare for the common questions. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? But you don't know. They may ask you something you're not prepared for. I mean, here's a hard question. Tell me about a time you got into an, into an ethical dilemma. Now, mm-hmm. that's a hard question to answer in an interview because, one, you may not have an example top of mind. Right. Um, two, you got to be careful about how you answer that because you don't want it to be too big of an ethical dilemma. Right. But, you know, so... so and how- you want to make sure you come out looking... Yeah, good. <laughs> looking good in the ethical dilemma, right. not like, yeah, so... Oh, yeah, so, so I decided to steal the $10,000. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so like, what, what do you do when a question like that comes up? Because, I mean, next time it comes up for me, I'm just going to talk about tuna. I'm like, well, there's the hard <laughs> cans, and then there's the soft pouches. And, and I'll be like, if you didn't get my analogy, I just can't. I can't help you. Yeah, so the two areas I think people get stuck in thinking on their feet is, number one, forgetting the end goal, right? So in this one, our end goal was tying the tuna fish to career. Like, if you would just say, talk about tuna fish... We could have gone all over the place. Mm -hmm. So the problem is people get so caught up in what they're saying, they forget that, hey, I'm at an interview. So always remembering my goal is to make myself appear in the best light. So when I start talking about this, I must always remember that. Then your mind will direct the content towards more positive things Mm -hmm. and how you resolved it. Number two is the reason people get stuck. It's not so much because they can't think quickly. It's because they can't let go of the ideas that pop in their head. Right? Interesting. It's calming the little voice. and. There's a whole long spiel about creativity, but it starts almost by being Zen, right? The emptier your mind is, the more you can hear ideas from your creative subconscious. 
And what happens is when we are under pressure, our conscious mind starts racing with, what can I say? What can I do? Oh, what are they going to ask? Which blocks us off from our creativity. Is there spinach in my teeth? Exactly. All the, the more your mind is mm-hmm. racing, the less you can actually hear the ideas your subconscious is giving you. Mm-hmm. And so really being able to calm down is is one of the first things I teach people when it comes to improvising. Well, teach us because that is not an easy thing to do, especially when – you care about the outcome. I mean, you care. You're going in. Maybe this is the job of your dreams. Oh, yeah. Maybe you're trying to get out of a toxic situation and you're thinking this is the job that can save me. And you, you carry all that into the interview with you. Yeah. So the first thing is before you get in there, and this sounds it's going to be hard. It's just kind of telling yourself over and over is stop caring about getting that job. Right. It's like the best dates you've ever been on. The time where the person on the other side of the table is liked you the most is when you didn't really care about being there. Right. My best job interview. Was Hang about- on. I got to think about that. <laughs> so let me give me a second. I, let me let me. Uh, wait, what? Well, I'll, tell, <laughs> all right, I'll, give you, I'll give you a personal and I'll give you a quick personal, quick business example. Right. Yeah. My wife, when we went on our first date, the first hour was a little awkward. Um, and I kind of got the sense that she wasn't that into me. And I'm like, you know what? Just whatever. Just just enjoy the conversation. Like, don't worry about impressing her. And. Now, seven years later, we're married, we have a kid, and I honestly think it's because all the pressure was off, right? My mind wasn't racing like, oh, should I say the right thing? Should I let her know mm-hmm. about this? It would just be yourself. I mean, it's it's the advice you hear from the time you're three years old, like, just be yourself. Yeah, that's hard to do, though, in an interview when you're trying to prove something to somebody. It is. So a lot of it's that mental games in advance um, is to really tell yourself over and over again, like, just... Just let it go. And I know it's, it's, there's no magic bullet, so I can't mm-hmm. just say, hey, you do one thing, you'll stop caring. The other thing is, and really practice the art of simple deep breathing, because nothing will calm your mind faster than taking a deep breath and letting it out. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm frankly, right in, an, in an interview, you know, in improv, when, when um, what, was, what was your engineer's name, the uh, producer's name? Michelle and Dion. Dion. When Dion asked the question, tuna fish, right? In improv, you have to open your mouth and Yeah, talk. I'm going to get him for bumblebee <laughs> tuna fish. What are you thinking, Dion? <laughs> That was the first thing that popped in my head. And that was great. I loved it. <laughs> but when an interviewer asks you a question, you have the luxury of saying, that's a really interesting question. Let me let me take a second to think about that. That I like. So, I mean, giving yourself a little space. And yeah. I think that's one of the things that people can do. It's tangible. You could say, you know what? If, if, if The ethical question we talked about, if you've never been asked that, I think it's okay to say, you know, that that's a great question. Let me think about that for a minute. And take your time and be thoughtful about your answer. And I think a lot of people tend to, and I've done this before, you rush into an answer because it's the first thing that pops in your head. And halfway through the story, you realize, wow, this didn't turn out well. <laughs> right. <laughs> Crap. And, and in that time frame, see, when I talk about letting go of an idea, this is maybe a practical tip, is when, when you first hear that question, think about an ethical dilemma. Your mind will jump to one thing. And it may not be ethical dilemma. It'll just be like one job experience. Like when I heard that, I immediately jumped to one of my jobs as a computer programmer. Right, this one company. Yes, Ooh. I'm the Indian guy who worked as a computer programmer. <laughs> Go figure. Even the improv community. But if nothing pops to mind there, people get stuck because they keep thinking about that job. Mm-hmm. And in improv and in quick thinking, it's about changing the angle. So what I need to do is think, all right, my first job you know, at this bank as a programmer, nothing pops to mind. Okay, let me switch focus. Okay, here's this other job. And then see if anything pops up. If not, let me switch this other experience. So, okay, so there's a tangible one. Um, another one I want to point out to you is... Uh, if if you're going down the wrong path, like say the mm-hmm. ethical dilemma that pops in your head, you know, halfway through doesn't end up well. I think it's fine to actually say, you know what? I, I have a better example. I have one yeah. that that's that. And it's OK. You don't have to keep going down the story. I think people put pressure on themselves like, oh, I can't I can't admit that I picked the wrong story. And just to simply yeah. say, you know, what? I have a better story. Let me start over. Totally fine. Oh, absolutely. And totally fine. I mean, I think we forget that the interviewer knows we're human. And so we try to put on this perfection persona. But if you're like, oh, you know, I came up with a better idea. I mean, I've been I've been doing training workshops where I'll be telling a story um, and I'll just forget <laughs> what I'm talking about. And so I'll just say, you know what? I forgot where that story was going. Um, but let me get back to this. And I think maybe not being that obvious but being honest about you know what i think this is the best thing i got a better idea absolutely i think that's great (laughs) hey we want your tangible tips give us a call at 844 wharton that's 844-942-7866 or maybe you feel stuck you're in a job search it's not moving as fast as you want you're getting frustrated we are so lucky to have avish parashar the yes and guy who can help you stay motivated and laugh while you're doing it (laughs) 844 wharton that's 844-942-7866 or you can also tweet at dr don graham so another thing i think 
can help take the pressure off of each is when you have multiple eggs in multiple baskets. So I think if you if you kind of say this is my job, this is the idea. Mm-hmm. If I don't get this, but if you're you know you have lots of things going on, you're applying to lots of places, and you you know it's like okay, I have another interview next Monday. So you know if this doesn't go well. You know, I, I'm trying to relate that back to your dating analogy, but it doesn't really <laughs> it, look very it, well, good. No, it does 100. <laughs> percent I don't even want to go there <laughs> because because you're you're going on a lot of first dates. Oh, Each one no. becomes less important, right? Oh, um, is... well, job interview, right? I mean, the whole thing I said was care less, like going in, don't care. Well, if it's your only job interview in two months, you're going to care so much. Mm-hmm. If you've got a lot of eggs in the basket, a lot of irons yeah. in the fire, and you know, hey, you're looking at your calendar next over the next month, like, all right, I get these four opportunities. Each one becomes less precious. It makes it easier to to be a little more relaxed and care less. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think your point about having multiple choices is is, is spot on. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk. We are on Sirius XM Channel 111. We are powered by the Wharton School, and you can reach us 844-942-7866. We are here with Avish Parashar, who is talking how to stay motivated. Okay, so what is this yes and concept? Tell us about that. Sure. Well, there's this idea in improv about when your partner says or does anything, you know, like when um, when he said Bumblebee Tuna, you can respond by saying yes, but or yes, and. So yes, but is the negative blocking one. It would be like saying, yeah, but we're not going to talk about Bumblebee Tuna. I'd rather talk about this. Yes, and is yes. Bumblebee Tuna is the perfect metaphor for career. And here's why. So it's about agreeing and building on what your partner gives you instead of blocking or negating them. Mm-hmm. And that translates to life and business so much because so many times when we're just sitting there thinking of an opportunity or someone approaches us, we'll say, yeah, but, and kind of limit ourselves, whereas yes, and is kind of creative, opens, and keep us moving forward. Yes, but. That's what I want to say. <laughs> That's like the first thing I want to say. How, why do we get there? How, wh- how do we get this way? Because I, I say it all the time. I'll be the first one to admit. Oh, that- I teach it, and I say it all the time. Um, it's really a defensive response, because when you say yes, but, uh, you don't have to grow, stretch, or get out of your comfort zone at all. You know, you can just be exactly how you are. Yes, and requires you to step into the unknown, um, maybe to to admit to something that you don't want to admit to, maybe try something new. So it's much safer and easier to say yes, but, which is why we all do it. Mm -hmm. Hey, yes, and. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what your book's all about. Yeah, exactly. So the book is all about how we can use yes, and the benefits of using yes, and different environments you can use it in. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the slow summer job search. Mm-hmm. So here's the deal. People go on. I mean, l- recruiting time works at a glacial pace anyway, because let's face it, people have their own day jobs and hiring people is important, but there's lots of people to get involved. And so in the summer, now we've got to layer on vacations and people, have, you know, they have half day Fridays and mm-hmm. all these other things that just, you know, no one wants to work late because there's barbecues and there's all these things going on. So some, so summer tends to be a slower time to bring people on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Hey, if you're in a job search and you're kind of feeling like no one's getting back to me, I haven't heard. Why is it taking so long to schedule meetings? It is depressing. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's demoralizing. So how can people concretely use techniques that you talk about to stay positive during sure. these times? Well, one of them is about changing directions a little bit, right? It's like the reality of the situation is someone's not responding or it's slow. And we put so much energy into that that everything stops. But there are so many other things you can do that can help you in your job search that have nothing to do with waiting for the person to respond to you. Mm-hmm. You know, things like tweaking and altering our cover letter, resume, you know. Because I think what happens is we think product, not process. Mm-hmm. And improv is a process. Improv, I take a step, see how you respond, then we go back and forth. Product is here's my resume, it's done. Now I just got to send it out. Whereas I think if we were to look at, let's improve that. You know, how can I make my resume stronger? What's a different tactic I can take? And that is causes growth, which is inherently motivating. Okay. So um, I'm not hearing anything back. I'm going to tweak my cover letter. Maybe I'm going to go on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. connect with a few more people and do this. And, you know, I'm still not hearing back. I'm still, you know, or I get an interview. It goes really well. And then I hear nothing. Now mm-hmm. what do I do? <laughs> right. And so... Um, so beyond the resume, changing tactics again is, you know, this kind of comes back to the when someone asks you a question and you just come up with one idea, it's switch it. So you're using LinkedIn and you're not hearing anything back. Well, well, change it. You know, can you connect with people on a different social media platform? Can you start going to a networking event that you weren't going to? Can you reach out to old friends? You know, it's changing tactics. 
you know, things get depressing because we keep banging our heads against while doing the same thing, not getting a result. Mm-hmm. And throwing that variety out there when you have the time to do it, because when you're getting responses, you know, it's almost like, I mean, we're all like this, right? As we get older and life gets busier, we all look back on those early years when, you know, we didn't have a family or kids or job responsibilities. And we're like, oh, man, back then is when I should have done X, Y, Z. It's remembering that in the moment that you have so many options that you're just ignoring because you're so focused on this one tactic. I love that idea. I mean, that's kind of my go-to. If I'm worried about something or if something's not going the way I want it to go, I just act. I do anything. Like, it doesn't even matter if it's related, not related. It's just like, I'm going to take action because I have this nervous energy or this anxiety or whatever, and I'm just going to do something. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, even if it's not directly related to what I'm worried about or when it, like, it just, it, it obviously you know, takes the energy and moves it in a different direction. But it opens my mind to creativity. And I think you you call this like the Jaws response or, you know, the... You oh, have, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. It's similar to what you were talking about. Tell us what that is. I, I like that analogy. So the Jaws response, and they came up with a, one of my favorite movies is Jaws. And uh, for people who haven't seen it, uh, it's a movie about a big shark. And uh, <laughs> Who hasn't seen Jaws? Uh, you know, there's some people out there, uh, sad people. But, <laughs> I mean, there's there's three of them, aren't there? Like one, Jaws uh, one, Jaws well, two, there's Jaws three. technically a fourth one, which the is so The Return of Jaws. Yeah, Jaws, Jaws 3D and Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> Jaws is son. Uh, there should be son of Jaws. <laughs> son of Jaws. <laughs> there's mean, not son of Jaws. Jaws versus Godzilla? I mean, jeez. Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> but the Jaws ones, when they're filming this movie, the first one was, at the time, the highest grossing movie of all time. And it's what made people think Spielberg was an artistic genius. Because what he did is he didn't show you the shark. Right? He, they had this whole sequence where they would harpoon the shark with yellow barrels, like ropes attached to barrels. The shark would disappear and you'd only see the barrel. And so at some point you'd see the barrel, you wouldn't see the shark, and that would raise the tension immensely. So people said Spielberg's a genius for doing that. Turns out that was an act of desperation that came from a mistake. He originally planned on showing the shark all the time in that movie, but the shark never worked. It had mechanical parts that messed the water messed with. So mm. the only way they finished the movie was saying, how can we show the shark without showing the shark? So they took the constraint and turned it to their advantage. So, um, And that's why people said, wow, this is a genius. It was nominated for Best Director, Best Picture. And people said it's that. It was a mistake. It wasn't even his idea. (laughs) He's like, I meant to do that. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think, the Jaws response in this is when you have a constraint, something that's bothering you, don't give up and stop just trying to push your head through it. Um, But rather look for the opportunities that constraint is giving you. Kind of like Spielberg made the movie even better Mm -hmm. because he couldn't stick to his original plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was a good movie. So if you haven't seen it... (laughs) <laughs> go see it. Just the first one, really. After that, they kind of go down. Plus, it came out in the seventies, so like they didn't have like CGI and like all of this. Like, I mean, they really yeah. didn't have. They couldn't do that. They just yeah they had and, to use a barrel. And there are a couple scenes where the shark looks really fake, but for the most part, because of that, they worked around it. And yeah, it's a phenomenal movie. And watch the barrels and watch how tense it is because you don't know where the shark is. Mm-hmm. So Darn in the it. same way, if you're like, if your job search is not going well, oh, it's a summer, it's slow. Yeah, that's a constraint. And what a lot of people would do is get depressed sit on the couch and just say, well, I can't do anything. You know, you have found time. How can you make the most of that? And to your point about doing something not related to the job search, mm-hmm. you know, your your resume and skill set is your product. But what's going to get you the job in the interview is your personality and who mm-hmm. you are. And you can build that out in your free time. You know, I mean, when you're going to an interview, half the time, if you could drop a reference like, oh, you know, when I was working with my, my model trains, mm-hmm. like connection, not for everyone, but sometimes. And so, you know, building out your life, when the other areas are going slow, I think is a great tool. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things is I I think people, even just going to a barbecue or, like, getting Mm -hmm. out, and I know people, like, don't want to go. So, like, oh, people are going to ask about my job search, and I don't even know what to say, so I'd rather just kind of stay in and not talk to people. Or, you know, how do you deal with that? Because people care, and they're going to ask your family, your friends, hey, how's the job search going? And while they have good intentions, sometimes it doesn't feel so good if you're, you're not there yet. Yeah, and so I think the two, the two things about that, number one, the best thing with improv is is really honesty and vulnerability. Like, the more you're overthinking how people are going to react, it, it's funny. I think the more you go to those events, the barbecue, when people say, how the job search, you know, we always try to make ourselves look better. I'm like, oh, it's good. I got some leads. Hence Facebook. Yeah. Ex- oh, Facebook. Yeah, the Facebook <laughs> depression. is uh... Life on Facebook. It's not real people. You know, what, what I'd ask you to do is put yourself in the other shoes. Imagine you had a great job and you went to a barbecue with a friend, showed up who was in a job search, and you asked them how they were doing. If they said, oh, it's going pretty well, you'd be like, cool. If they said, you know, it's just not really going well. It's kind of a struggle. You know, you would feel like, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. Right. And so we, we cut ourselves off from our greatest resource, which was our connections, yes. because we puff ourselves up. Um, and so 
understanding that vulnerability and honesty, especially with people you know, is is an asset, not a detriment. Mm -hmm. And then if you really like, you know, there's always that person who's going to give you that unsolicited advice you don't want to hear. Yep. um, That is wrong. (laughs) Um, Don't engage. So let them say their thing. Uh, you know, that's the yes and versus yes, but. If, yes and. If I, you know, I've heard this all the time with my business, right? How do you get leads? People come up with ideas that are crazy out there that won't work for me, but they're so sincere. And I want to say, yeah, but. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't work for my business. That's just going to engage them further, make me talk more about the thing I don't want to talk about. If instead say, you know what? That's, that's not a bad idea. I, I'm going to really consider that. They have nothing else to Reverse say. Reverse psychology. Exactly. There it is. And we're going to go to Bob in Pennsylvania. Bob, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hi. Uh, first, I want to thank you for the, your guest. is fantastic. I'm a recruiter oh, and I'll place. You, yeah, Bob, we haven't heard from you in a while. Where Where have you been? Well, I've, I've been around. I've been listening when I can. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for retweeting, though. We really appreciate it. Oh, no, that's it's great information. But add a few things. One is that in what I'm dealing with in recruiting and outplacement, I try to talk to candidates about pace and that, you know, if there's an answer that's on the tip of your tongue, don't just blurt it out. If you have a sort of pace to every question, um, I believe, you know, sometimes interviewers want to see how you react to certain questions. So if you act quickly to the questions that you really know well and ones you have to think about, if you're taking a few more seconds, it may seem like you're tripped up. So I try to tell uh, people in outplacement to have kind of a pace. Even if you know the answer, think about it for a second and then have a pace through the whole interview. Um, and, and the other thing as a recruiter, I, I, you know, I used to, I've been doing it for 28 years, and I used to think there were slow times and not so slow times in recruiting. I think it's crazy anymore. I think there's a lot more emergency fills than there used to be and not as much planning. So I try to tell people, whether it's the holidays or the summer, other people are going to tell you, oh, it's slower. It's going to be tough to do it. And I tell my people, listen, let the other people sit back and worry about these things. Yes. You work mm-hmm. hard all, all the yes. way through it. Important but point, but Bob. Do, Don't sit back yeah, just because it's slow. Keep going. Right. Go harder. I think I think this is a great topic, and I, I you know I've never thought about this as far as improv, and I, I like everything I'm hearing so far. So I'm, I'm just wanting to thank you for being there and you for having it. Oh, thank you, well, Bob. Thank you for giving us a call. Thank you for being a fan of Career Talk. You always call in with um, great additions to what we're talking about, so we thank you for that. And hey, if you want to share a tip or if you've got a question. Give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we're here with Avish Parashar, who is a an improv comedian, mm-hmm. an author, a dad. Yeah. So happy Father's Day. Th- oh, yeah. Thank you um, very much. <laughs> um, what else? What else? A, uh, a Jaws fan? A Jaws fan? Oh, my yeah. God. Do you hear a jersey that just sounded? Do you hear a <laughs> Jaws fan? Every now and again, my jersey comes out a little. Oh, man. I think we should go to our pre-break quiz, because that's a little embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> Let's do that. (laughs) There's a quiz. Okay, here we go. Um, One of the first things that 70% of employees do upon returning from a vacation is this. So one of the first things that 70% of employees do upon returning from a vacation is this. If you think you know, give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Graham. And welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School. And we are on Channel 111, so... I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Avish Parashar, who is Jaws fan, comedian, job search coach. Yeah, motivational speaker. Motivational speaker, <laughs> author of Improvise to Success and Say Yes And. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to say yes and throughout the show. And right before the break, we went to our pre-break quiz. So let's go ahead and answer that. One of the first things... That about 70% of employees do upon returning from a vacation is this. So I always go to Dion first because Dion has the best answers. I think my answer is pretty boring this week. All right. I'm going to check check their email. 
Um, that's probably true. That's probably true. <laughs> probably true means wrong. <laughs> well, it's wrong because they're probably checking their email off vacation. Yeah, that's, actually, that is true. That is true. Um, I, I have to, and I'm going to say a stat on that. 25% of people check into work hourly while on vacation. Ooh. Not me. While hourly. hourly. That's crazy. I don't even check hourly while I'm at work. <laughs> I mean, jeez. You can ask Michelle. When I'm, if, if, if I'm on vacation, you can't find you're, me. No, you'll <laughs> never find Dion. You'll Dion never who? find him. He's nowhere to be found. But yeah, hourly. On, wow. That's, yeah. That, that, is not, that is not correct, but I'm glad you don't check email <laughs> on vacation. No. It's good to know. Michelle. Um, I'm going to guess... Um, Something that I like to do because I never do it before I go, which is clean my desk. Ooh, mm. clean your desk. That is not the right answer. Mm. So yeah, I'd um, clean your desk, Avish. Uh, well, since the topic of this show, I'm going to say look for another job. Yes. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Logic. Logic. Yeah. He's um, much better at this. <laughs> <laughs> Thinks on his feet. Yeah, he's looking at my notes while we're on break, I think. No. Um, well, I, I said because I thought it was the funny answer, but I guess that's the real answer, too. <laughs> it so. is the real answer. Yeah, a study from um, Monster.com found that 70% of employees search for job listings upon returning from vacation. The rationale? Vacations provide the mental clarity needed to carefully consider what changes you need to make to your life to remedy your biggest source of stress. And, of course, stress is often caused oh, yeah. by work. So they come back and like, you know, I just don't like this job anymore. Um, and especially the people who are checking their email hourly while on vacation. Yeah, I mean, frustrating. I, I can see why they don't like their job. But and 60% check work during traditional holidays like Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one study found that, that spending um, on frazzled employees for stress is like, 2.5 times what it was for like non-stress workers. And here's my here's my fun fact though. The Netherlands has the shortest work week in the world at 29 hours per week. And I feel like if we had a 29 hour a week work week, we'd all be less stressed, no? I, I would think so, yeah. I mean, and I think it's definitely possible. I think I think we tend to glorify and you know, focus on longer hours. Mm-hmm. But there's so much wasted time at work between meetings and not being productive and stuff i think i think 29 hours is is more than enough yeah i'm, I'm all about the three-day weekend oh i love it I feel like you need a day to get your errands done and then like you need a day to kind of like relax and then oh, yeah. you need a day to prepare for the week ahead oh, yeah. well, how many times do you go on vacation and just as the vacation is ending is when you are finally able to mm-hmm. relax and let go and then you're like i've got one day left mm-hmm. yeah and most people um i mean in the u.s workers voluntarily give up about 50 percent of their vacation so you know they just don't wow. use it 50 percent that's crazy like you know it's like wow that is a lot. I don't know what's wrong with us. Yeah, you know that you know how some of these places have gone where you can take unlimited vacation, and uh, like some companies said, we're not going to track vacation time. Just when you need vacation, take it. Mm-hmm. I think the studies find that employees at those companies take less vacation. Yeah, than the I, ones we're actually exactly. given like two weeks. Yeah, I know it's so interesting. So hey, we are here with Avish Parashar, and he is the improv king. <laughs> And he can do it all related to the job search. So, hey, we want to give you a challenge. If you're listening, you want to join in on a little game of improv to prep for your interview, give us a call at 844-WARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Michelle and Dion will play, too. And <laughs> they just looked at me like, what? <laughs> what? Um, but, yeah, we want to hear from you. We want we want you to take this challenge. Maybe you've got an interview coming up, and it's like, what have you got to lose? Call in, prepare. 844-WHARTON, that's 844-942-7866. All right, so let's talk about this. We just talked about the fact that people don't use their vacation and, you know, they're stressed out at work. Mm -hmm. You know, what, you know, there are people who have this toxic work environment Mm -hmm. and they're like, they have to get out and it's truly toxic and there's nothing that's going to make it better. But I think for most of the people working, it's like you you, kind of just, you know, your job gets to be okay. You get good at it. Mm-hmm. You know what you're doing. Maybe you have some stretch assignments and some fun things. But how can people fall back in love with their job again if most of it's good, but mm-hmm. it's just not as exciting as it used to be? Uh, well, I think it it, it kind of goes back to the, you just said the stretch thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think what makes a new job as exciting is that it's new, so everything is a stretch. And then we get in the routine, which is what we all want. We all want to, like have it all be easy and routine, but that's what gets boring and that's what gets unmotivated. So, you know, if your job itself or your boss is not giving you a stretch for yourself, 
what can you do to stretch yourself, right? I mean, this is the the work on flow by uh, by uh, Mihali uh, Tsitsi Mihali, right? The I was always name. wondering how to say that guy's name. Yeah, I, can you say it again? I think it's uh, Tsitsi Mihali. That's yeah. But, I love that book, but I never yeah. knew how to say his name. Yeah, and there's again the flow state of the where you, everything's going and you're really motivated and things are humming along. It's when you have both a high level of perceived challenge and a high level of perceived skill. And I think we want things to be easier, so we try to get to high level of skill with low level of challenge, but that's when we get bored. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what are some challenges you can set for yourself? Yeah, and, I, and I, too, I think that sometimes, like, the things that used to be um, okay just become very frustrating because mm-hmm. you hear it over and over again. Like, you know, one of the examples I have, when I used to be a hostess in a restaurant, and it used to drive me nuts when people were like, can I have a booth? Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted a booth. Now we had very few booths and obviously a lot of tables. So what would happen is I'd have to sit them in a booth and I'd triple seat the server and the server would get really mad at me. And I'm like, but I have no choice. They wanted a booth. We have to make the customer happy. And, you know, and then what do I do when I go out next Tuesday night? I'm like, hey, do you have a booth? <laughs> of course. I like, love the booth. But it was like, it was so frustrating because I just got, I got, I was so ready for it that I was like almost on defense when somebody comes up and they're like, hey, I'm like, I know they're going to ask for a booth. But like, then I realized, you know what? I like this is my job. Like this is why I have a job. Yeah, and and the other thing in improv, there's a concept called find the game within the game. Mm-hmm. So in improv, sometimes you do a scene or you play some kind of game. You know, like we were doing with the Bumblebee tuna, but within that exercise, there might be another game. So we're all trying to one up ourselves. You know, how can I one up Dawn on the on the tuna fish thing? Mm-hmm. So for example, for your your hostess one, if you're getting that frustration, taking the focus off of all these annoying people asking me the same thing, can you make a game out of it? Like, can Ooh. I come up with another way of saying no? Like, Ooh. or what's a, what's the next response I can I like give them? It. You know, and the same thing, any work job, like, and, you know, this is the, the ludicrous viral videos about, like, the, the good flight attendants, you know. You always see every mo- week there's a new, like, oh, this flight attendant doing the security announcements in a fun way, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, and, and so, I'm sure they're just, like, challenging themselves because it makes it fun for them. So how can you challenge yourself? So how can you do, especially if you have a job where you do a lot of the same things or there's a lot mm-hmm. of cyclical work, how can you challenge and make it a game? Yeah, how can you raise the bar? So my favorite, I learned this, um, and this is one slight criticism of your show, is my favorite, love this. my favorite band of all time is the rock band Rush. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have not heard any Rush uh, on this. Oh, it's, so, it's not uh, a it's criticism <laughs> of the show. It is a criticism of Dion. <laughs> Dion, can you believe this guy? I know. I'm coming later. <laughs> that that was that was my that was my payback for Bumblebee Tuna. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that was, you 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 did deserve that, Dion. I mean, Bumblebee Tuna. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so the reason I bring up Rush is, uh, you know, they they've been around for 40 years and they've got some songs they've been playing every year in every concert. And mm-hmm. in your interview, I asked them. Um, the drummer, you know, is it still fun for you playing these same songs over mm-hmm. and over again? And the drummer said something I'll never forget. He said, "Yes, because that song is sufficiently difficult that it's still a little bit of a challenge every time I play wow. it." Wow! And he's like, "So I'm always never sure I'm going to get through it. So when I get through it, I'm happy." And and that struck out in my mind. That's really when I started realizing mm-hmm. sometimes the key to our motivation is not making things easier, but making the right things harder. Good plan. Yeah, I had a, a similar story like that. I had a, a manager say to me um, once, very wise, very wise mentor when I worked in Minnesota. And, you know, I, I was a manager and dealing with all these issues. And, like, it felt like all I did was deal with issues. And she just said to me, you know what? That That's what a manager is. Yeah. And, and that is why you have a job. And, I, like, it just totally changed my mm-hmm. perspective because I'm like, why do all these things keep happening? And she's like, because that is the job. Yeah, and I was like, whoa, I mean, if you want a specific tactic... You know, when you're complaining about something like that, it's boring, it's not motivating, it's annoying, there's a yes but behind it, right? Mm. Like, yeah, but I keep hearing this over and over again. Mm-hmm. Switch, when you find yourself doing that, ask yourself, what's the yes and here, right? Yes and this person's, for me, it's a thousand times for this person's the first time asking for a booth. Or yes and here's how I can respond in a way that's more fun. So we're, mm-hmm. you know, just switching the language kind of directs the creativity in a new direction. Can, can you come up with a fun way to, to answer that? Can I have a booth? Uh, <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. Sure. Uh, would you like one in the bar or the John Wilkes version? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, it's, I mean, it's not the funniest joke I've ever made, but it's the first thing that popped in my head, right? But, you you know, you just keep coming up with different things. And, uh... <laughs> okay. I'm laughing. Ryan in California, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today, Ryan? Um, yeah, I just, I was listening to your show and, uh, obviously, yeah, very funny and, uh, you guys were just talking about uh, the original study done by uh, about flow. Yes, mm-hmm. I think you guys butchered the uh, the the. Um, 
I, I, you're you're probably spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you can you tell me how you pronounce it again? Well, well, can, well I, I thought, might have butchered that too. So I said Tsitsa <laughs> yeah. Mahali. Can you spell it? Yeah. No. It's, That's it's even harder. Mihai Mihail. Say all right. Say that one more time, Ryan. Mihai Mihail. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna listen to the replay of the show many times so I can get yeah. that. But but yeah, it is a great book. And mm-hmm. um, you know, Ryan, do you want to? What's your favorite part of the book? Um. I just I read the the the, the finding flow from uh, the other guy I, I forgot his name but um, basically I don't remember but I listened to it like about two years ago. Um, my favorite part of the book was just uh, you know ha- having a having a clear head and uh, you know the, those stretch goals that you guys spoke about mm-hmm. and finding a balance between the stretch goals and you know what uh, you know what you like in life. Yes, it's it's important mm-hmm. because here's the thing I always say: make sure that you're not the smartest person in the room because you're not mm-hmm. learning if you are. And yet, yeah, feels good sometimes to oh, like be like, great. oh, I know what I'm talking about. But but if you're constantly the smartest person in the room, you're not stretching. And I think if you get into a habit of stretching, all of a sudden it's, your your bar raises and and stretches don't even feel you know like they once did. Yeah, and I love the term stretch because the. Um you know, this is this is going to make me sound not like a good motivational speaker, but motivational speakers will come out and say things like set BHAG and the big hairy audacious goals, I, set I giant BHAG. goals, all that stuff, right? And, you know, with the fear response, the amygdala, all that stuff, when the goal is too big, your fear response kicks in and that's mm-hmm. when you shut down. So the stretch goal is finding that goal that's a challenge, mm-hmm. but um, is not so big that you know, the fear goal makes you shut down. And then step by step. You know, you get to someplace amazing. But if you start out now, if you can say, look, I, I'm going to make a million dollar business in the next year and that goal doesn't cause a stress response, that's great for you. So that's why it's very personal. But I love the stretch idea. Just just take a step further, just like an improv. One step, one step, one step. Yep. Love that. Hey, Ryan in California, thank you for giving us a call and correcting that name. We love that. We love people to come in and share their opinion. Yeah, I thought he said we butchered the study. Oh. <laughs> oh, <uh-oh>. no. <laughs> oh, the I, name, absolutely. Yeah, no, the name, I, uh, I, I didn't even attempt it. So at least you're brave enough to attempt it. But it's a great book regardless. Get in the flow. Ryan, thank you so much. 844-Wharton, 844-942-786. Hey, if you've got another great book or something that has helped you, other listeners will benefit from it, no doubt. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you want more great advice delivered right to your inbox, you can follow my blog, dawnoncareers.com, or Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. So, okay, so we're talking about falling back in love with your job, but I want to talk about something that we, we kind of talked about when prepping this show is like, what do you do when you put your foot in your mouth? Like <laughs> either you're giving a presentation or maybe you're in an interview or maybe you're just you're networking and you say one of those things that you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that just came out of your mouth. Um, I have an example <laughs> that I will share. Um, I was trying to give somebody a compliment. And here's a situation very briefly. Um, this is a lawyer and he was doing a presentation on something very, um, you know, case study-esque and lawyer technical mm-hmm. and, you know, not not something that was necessarily of interest to me. But he did it in such a way that it was entertaining and, and it was well done. So I went up to him after. I mean, you have to understand, this was this man's life's work. He's been <laughs> in this field for 30 years. I'm like, you know, I'm like, wow, that was great that you made such a dull topic so interesting. <laughs> and the second it came out of my mouth, I'm like... Oh my god, that was supposed to be accomplishment. An accomplishment. I can't even say the word. Compliment. Thank you. <laughs> See, and I just basically told him his life's work is dull. Like, what is wrong with me? How do I had no recovery for that? <laughs> I was like, great. You know, I think- did you acknowledge it? No, I just deer in headlights. I'm like, maybe he didn't hear it. Maybe he didn't hear the fact that I just called his life's work dull. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that's the first thing is you know, <laughs> acknowledge, apologize, and move on. Um, <laughs> so bad. Yeah, it's because it, that happens, and we're all going to say. Stupid I sent things. him a Tiffany pen. That's actually what I did <laughs> later. I'm like, I don't know. This isn't going to probably solve it, but it's a Tiffany pen. It's nice. Yeah. Well, in the moment, if you know, I think like if you're in an interview and you you put your foot in your mouth, you say something. Um, I think just being honest, saying, "Oh, that was that was really stupid thing for me to say. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, I'm not sure where that came from. Like whatever. Um, I would say apologize, but don't over apologize." Because I don't have your. If someone ever says something goofy to you and then they apologize, then it gets and weird. You forgive them. Yeah, but it gets weird. But if, if they you're... keep apologizing, yeah. you're like, all right, like let's move on now. Because um, again, everyone's human, and I think they like that vulnerability. 
But I do think that there is something there about being in the moment and paying attention, right? In improv, this is being present. So you're paying attention to your partner. Because sometimes you think you did something wrong and they didn't. Like, for example, you know, looking all the way back to about five minutes ago, when you said Jaws with a Jersey accent, uh, I had uh, no clue. We all forgot about that. I know. Well, you were the only one who noticed it. <laughs> but Michelle noticed it. Well, because she's back there intentionally <laughs> looking for that. Um, <laughs> but a lot of times the person, you know, the, what we say this as speakers doing presentations. The speech you have in your head, you're the only one who knows it. So a lot of times you will do something, maybe you'll say something wrong or incorrect, and the person you're talking to has no idea, but then you draw attention yes, to it. Yes, yes. So it's really paying attention. Now, I can tell, if you're actually paying attention, I can tell from your facial expression mm-hmm. or things you say whether you were thrown by that, in which case I'd say, oh, yeah, that was a little insensitive. I used the wrong word when I said dull. What I really meant is, like, for me, it's not my <laughs> thing at all. Um, I, I really, I didn't mean dull. I meant, like, boring. No, not boring, <laughs> but, like, not interesting. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. yeah. And what you can do is, you know, <laughs> self-deprecation is always a good way. So... I'm not saying it's dull. I'm saying, you know, I was, I had no mind for law growing up and I it was just used to, and so I really admire people that can sit there and really master that. Like, Don't you once, think they see through that though? Don't you think he's like, all right, just shut up. Like, Well, if you go too long, yeah. you know, if I keep saying, oh, by the way, you're, you're an amazing lawyer. Like, you know, and they can see through it, but here's the thing. I is, might become a lawyer now just from that talk. <laughs> I think I'm going to apply to law school yeah, right now. Yeah, now you have to. It's the only way it's going to work. Uh, but I think they can see through it, but I think... Them seeing through it is them seeing you realizing you made a mistake and apologizing for it, which in and of itself is a good thing. Yes. So in an interview, so, hey, you know, no one's taking up our challenge, by the way. 844-WHARTON, <laughs> 844-942-7866-AVISH dares you to come on and do <laughs> <I> improv. <laughs> so you're in an, in an interview and you say something like that. Um, here's something that happens a lot. People call the interviewer by the wrong name. Mm-hmm. Ah! Uh, yeah, so acknowledge, if you realize it, which I'm assuming what we're talking about, acknowledge it and just be right up front with like, oh my God, I can't believe I call you Stacy. Um, you know, I'm sorry. I've been on a bunch of interviews and I'm really bad with names. You were, you were Dawn, right? I'm so sorry. Um, and then, cause here's the thing. Once you make the mistake, it's, it's been made, you know, you can't go back in time. So do your best repair and then, and then move on. But you know, again, that conscious mind thing. For some people that will rattle around their brains mm-hmm. for the rest of the interview, throwing them completely off. Yes. And so that comes back to that breathing, letting go. Um, and I think, you know, it's 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 like talking about it. Apologizing actually frees your mind to let it go. You know, if you if you realize you said the wrong name, you're like, oh, I hope they didn't notice. For the rest of the interview, that's all you're going to think about. If you actually stop right away and say, oh, I think I just called you the wrong name. I am so sorry. That frees up that part of your brain to like be to let it go and move on. Mm-hmm. Do you have any good tips for helping people remember names? So that is tough. That's a tough tough. one. I know why they don't, though. I mean, one, I'm not good at it either. But I mean, it's a pretty basic psychological principle why it's hard to remember new people you meet because you're focused on yourself. I mean, yeah. And and not in a bad way, necessarily. But every time you meet somebody, you're obviously trying to make a decent impression. So you're thinking about yourself. Do I have spinach in my teeth? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, all that stuff. So when you say, oh, hi, I'm Avish, I'm, you know, we don't process it. So we hear it, but we don't process it. So. It goes back to the principle you talked about earlier, which is kind of being present mm-hmm. and clearing your mind of, like, okay, it's not about you. It's about them. Yeah. So clearing the mind, putting it on them. I'll tell you the technique, which I don't like but works, um, is use the person's name a couple times. Yeah. Why don't you like that? I don't like it either. Because it's kind of like you see through it. Like it feels like a networking technique, right? People, you'll know when someone's a real good networker because they will use your name at a networking event. You'll be like, hi, I'm Avish. Like, so Avish, tell me this. Oh, yeah, hey, Avish, that's a great idea. Avish, that's a great name, Avish. Yeah. How'd you get the name Avish? Yeah. And the Avish. more they use your name, the more you're like, all right, you've just been trained because there's a networking thing that says people love to hear the sound of their own name. Which mm-hmm. I don't really think that's true, but, um, but that's one way of doing it. Um, another way, what I try to do is if it's really important for me to remember the name, I will in my head, when they tell me their name, just repeat it like five or six times like, mm-hmm. dawn, dawn. just in my head dawn 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 just okay that's creepy <laughs> or, or as they say in jersey dawn dawn yeah yeah let's <laughs> let's not lose that jersey thing going on um, it's, it's it's multiple syllables in jersey but one of the things that i like especially if it's an event where you're wearing a name tag i like actually looking at people's name tag and when they say it you know just because the visual for me helps mm-hmm. so if somebody says even if it's like you know, Susan Smith, an easy name. I just, I like looking at the name tag and it just, mm-hmm. there's something about it that connects with me. Oh yeah. I mean, I, pr- I forget people's names. I go to a networking event and I, even if someone I've met a couple of times, sometimes I'll, and sometimes I'll look anyways to confirm. Right. Um, and the other way to remember, especially in an interview is mm-hmm. um, if you're in an interview, 
people will not think twice if you have a notepad because mm-hmm. you want to take notes. Just write their name down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Little things. It's like it doesn't all have to be improv. <laughs> you no. could write it down and then look at it. <laughs> Paper is an, it's yeah, an awesome it's thing. Use it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and the other thing I will say about remembering names, it goes to, again, we were talking about at the beginning of the show, is not putting so much pressure on yourself. Like, it, it's okay if somebody comes up to me and says, oh, my God, I forgot your name. Yeah, Tell absolutely. Me, it, it actually shows me you care. Yeah, especially if it's on a first or second meeting, like, yeah, be honest up front, say, I'm really bad with names, you know. And the other thing is, if you're worried about it or not 100% sure, just don't use their name. Like, unless you're calling someone asking, like, on the phone, I could have this entire conversation with you without ever saying your name. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not sure. (laughs) Don't you, like, use the technique, though, like... Like, hey, Blue. Like, <laughs> I, I have you. done that before. So good to see you. <laughs> hey, Blue. Well, you cut, or you blur it, like, if you're not yeah, sure. You're just like, cause hey, <laughs> buddy, pal, sport, how you doing? Well, like, the t- I, I know there are times where I'm not sure if the person's name is, like, Stephanie or Stacy. So, like, hey, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You start strong hey, and then. <laughs> and they hear what they want to hear? No. You know what? I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what. This is not improv, but I'll tell you what. A, a good. Sh- fake strategic cough can oh. get you <laughs> I've used this hey, as a speaker yeah. <laughs> boom perfect it's like the person you were about to say to him, oh you cough because people cough right <laughs> just he tends to do that a lot when he's saying hi to people yeah god hi hey <laughs> but then don't shake their hand because man well, that's gross yeah. well you do the vampire cough right it's uh, in your, in your... <laughs> vampire cough I don't know what that is but I like the sound well, of it well a vampire sneeze is when you sneeze into the crook of your elbow so you're not getting the germs on you you're covering yourself with the inner uh, elbow oh. Come on, Halloween. Yeah. I've never heard that. I mean, I know what it is, but I've yeah. never heard it called that. Yeah, because, you know, you look like a vampire holding your, <laughs> your cape on. Oh, I've never heard that. I learned something new. Yeah, which is a great job search tip. If you got to sneeze in the middle of an interview, don't sneeze in your hand. No, definitely <laughs> do not sneeze into your hand. But mm-hmm. okay. okay, so okay, it's okay to ask them their name. It's okay to kind of do the... the uh, yeah, I mean, it's... No. It's, <laughs> Just ask them their name. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. Just ask. You know, it's we're fine. talking improv and comedy. Good humor and having fun will take you miles ahead of all the tactics. Mm-hmm. You know, if you make a joke about forgetting their name or just say it with good nature, no one will think twice about it. If you act flustered or it's going to make you look awkward, it's going to break the connection. So the more you can just have a little bit of fun, like not goof around, but the more you can have a little bit of fun, some of the tactics, a lot of tactics don't even matter at that yeah, point. Yeah, I, I would even say, like, the probably the two biggest takeaways from this show is, like, likability mm-hmm. and being human. Because oh, yeah. that will account for 90% of your success. So, I mean, oh, forget about how you look, how you're presenting. But, you know, of course, you want to be polite and kind and generous and all that stuff. But, I mean, likability, being human goes a very long way. So, this show has been so fun. We've been laughing all hour. How can people? Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. How can people reach you if they want to know more? Uh, well, my website is dinghappens.com. Ding happens, I which love is D I N G happens, and we didn't talk about that at all. So, go to the website. You'll see the video. Mm-hmm. Understand what that all means. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Twitter at Avish P, A V I S H P, and on Facebook at Avish Parasher. Um, Facebook.com slash Avish Parasha. So connect with me anywhere there. The website has all that info. So dinghappens.com is the best place. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, if you reach out on LinkedIn, make sure you send a personal note so we know where you found us. Hey, this has been an awesome show. Thanks to all of our listeners. Thank you to our callers, Michelle and Dion. This show is so much fun with you guys here. Avish, thank you for sharing all this wisdom and knowledge with everybody. Hey, you've been listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. For more great advice, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham, and we look forward to seeing you all next time.